Hey, this is Britt Vargas, and I am the High School Ministry Associate Director at Calvary Community Church here in Westlake Village, California. And this is our HSM podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out today. I hope this encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Awesome, awesome. Well, we are gathered here today, and this sounds like the beginning of a wedding. And it is so, because we are celebrating the union of people with Christ. The fact that they are dead to sin, but now made alive in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that's what we're here to celebrate. And some of you guys are doing this for your very first time. And that's what we encourage. Again, we're not trying to do this because, hey, you did it last time. You can do it next week and the week after. No. This is one thing you do once and for all. A public declaration that Jesus is the center of your life and he's the center of the gospel. And I want to pose a question to you guys this evening as we talk and begin to uh, just worship, worship and work through scriptures. And the point is this, that the biggest problem that the church is facing is not a lack of people who are maybe getting saved or people who are saying, I want to change my life. The biggest issue is a misunderstanding of what the gospel is. Like, what is the gospel? If you ask yourselves right now, one to another, like, what is the gospel? What is this thing we're talking about? What are we existing for? What are we rejoicing about? See, the gospel proper is going to be in 1 Peter 3.18. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you're a person who has notes and you're a note taker, I always say steal from the pastor, right? So 1 Peter 3.18 says this. It says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. Again, this is what happened. Christ also suffered once. He did it one time. This is a one-time deal. He's not doing it every other day. He did it once. Why? The unrighteous for the unrighteous. Now, you might say this big word of unrighteous sounds super big and the word unrighteous sounds, well, equally big. But let me make it to you very simple. When I was about 10 or 11, I watched this play called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames, right? Say it with me. Heaven's Gates and, all right. Automatically, what that means is this. They had this play about people like you and I living normal day-to-day lives. And some of these people claimed to be good people. And they ended up, at some point, actually dying. Whether they slipped and hit their head in the bathroom, whether they were in a car crash and something happened, some people actually died because of old age. And then they got to stand before God in heaven. And then this book was opened, the book which had the names of all the people who accepted Jesus as Lord. Now, how many of you guys are people who are renting? You rent at your house. Hands up real quick. You're Okay. You have what is called a landlord, right? The landlord owns that piece of land. That landlord could tomorrow, depending on the laws of the land, can say, get out because this belongs to me. And see, what happens is these people died and they end up going to heaven and standing before God. And the question they were asked is, what did you do with Jesus? See, the difference between us and every other religion is that we choose and say that Jesus is Lord of our life. We acknowledge that he's the Lord of our life, that he has full control of everything that has happened in our life. From the beginning to the end, he has full rights to our life. And these people would die and go before this judge. This angel would open up the book of life. And if their name was not inside that book of life, what would happen is, again, this was 
acted out. I was 10 or 11. Is that if they were not in the book of life, these demons, people dressed as demons. I know this is a great sermon. I know it's the best. Invite your friends. We're here next week, 5 o'clock and 11, right? Right? They would drag these people screaming. It was dramatized into hell. And if you accepted that Jesus was Lord, meaning you said, hey, you know what? He's the center of my life. And I choose him every day for my salvation. What would happen next is that these people would be ushered into the gates of heaven. Now, as a 10 or 11-year-old kid watching these people be taken either to heaven or hell, what was going through my mind was, am I good enough? Like, am I a good person? Like, have I lived a life for my 11 years of age or 10 years of age enough to say that because of what I've done, I deserve to be with God? And at 10 or 11, I was honest with myself and I said, no, I am not. I am not a good person. See, people don't go to hell or to heaven because they're good people. In fact, good things aren't enough for you to save the world. Even as Christians, people don't get saved or lives changed simply because of good things you do. No, they need the gospel. They need the truth that God himself, this God who needs nothing, the God who controls everything, decided one point, one point in history, it was a plan. It was not a mistake. He sent his only son. There was no extra, no backup. And he came and said, I'm going to die for you and for you and for you and for you. And that sacrifice was enough. See what happens when we are people who are sinners who have sinned against God, which means we are enemies of God. We decide to say, God, we know better than you. In our pride, our sin separates us from God forever. And we have nothing to do with him. But God himself, like how great a salvation do we have that God himself had to step into time to do it? This is special. This is unique. And he's loved us so well. And so this is the point. The gospel is what makes a difference in our lives. The gospel is what changes our lives. Now what is this gospel? Again, God came down, died for our sins. He was Buried, he like lived the perfect life, died and lived in the earth dead for three days. Rose again, went to heaven, and is coming back to take us. Now the question is, what are we supposed to do while we're here? See, the first scripture we read that Brett read in the beginning of the service was talking about a citizen culture. That we are people who are looking forward to our reward in glory. But what's the reward? So many times people have talked about how the gospel is about us going to heaven. But I'll tell you right now, heaven's not heaven if God is not there. If God is not there, what are we living for? Like, what is this about? See, God is the center of the gospel. He's what is our chief reward. He's what we're looking forward to. He's what we rejoice in. Jesus died to bring us back to God. And God is the center of the gospel. The Bible says in John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his life, his dwelling amongst us. Think about this, God in the flesh, living amongst us. He died and lived amongst us. And the word says in 14 again, and we have seen his, his glory. We've beheld his glory. Which means this, every single time we live, every moment in school or shopping or going to, I don't know where you guys go for lunch, but if it was a Sunday, it would have been maybe Chick-fil-A, I don't know, wherever, right? But all these moments that we spend are a response of the glory of God, meaning a simple thing like this, when you take that first bite of your in and out, I mean, how many of you guys have friends who have come out from different places to California, right? And what's the first place you take them to eat, typically? 
in and out. This is a California thing, right? And so the first bite of that in and out burger as you just bite down those onions and all those things just explode in your mouth. This is an experience that God has given us, and, and, and it like, seems so simple. But it's a response to who God is. And I, I pose the idea of food because I remember when Jesus had his disciples and they were out there and they went to start fasting. And, and these disciples decided, unlike the other people in Jerusalem, not to fast. And they're eating all this different food and hanging out. And the Pharisees showed up and they said, hey, like, why, why aren't your disciples fasting? Even John's disciples are fasting, but your disciples are not. And Jesus' response was as he says, while the groom is here, like while the groom is here, there's no need to fast. There's no reason for us to, to withhold from something while the groom is here. But there will come a time when the groom goes and then you need to fast. What, is, what was Jesus talking about? This is what he was saying. He was saying this, that while he's amongst us, he fulfills our all in all. Our life is changed by his presence. Literally in Psalms it says that in God's presence there is fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures evermore. All the food you can think of, all the friendship you can think of, all the love you can think of exploding in heaven. And he says, while you're here with me, there's nothing for you to need. I fulfill all in all. Now I ask you the question, do you live like that now? Like do you live like what's happening here? The, the sin that you live in. See, Paul talks about this, this act, this baptism, as a death. Like you are dying to what you used to be and becomes a watery grave. And dead men don't reach for things that don't give them life. Right? And so what happens? We were dead. And God raised us up to life. And you have new desires and a new heart. And I think about people like the gentleman who flew their plane on September 11th into these Twin Towers and to the Pentagon and all these different places. Now, I don't know about you guys. I grew up in Uganda, right? What does that mean? I know a lot of friends who have to get visas to come to the States. Do you know how hard it is to get a visa? Like, do you even, like, have you ever thought about going? To, it's super hard. But these guys spent time, got visas, learned how to fly planes, which is super hard. And then they flew them straight up into these buildings in the hope that they were going to receive the reward of their God. And they died for a lie. They died for something that was not true. How much more can we live for what God has given us that is true, that is real? See, we're living for a truth that our God loved us enough to die for us. And so we don't have to suffer to bring us back to God, to bring us back to him. So I would invite you this evening, as we walk through this act, this, this moment, this picture of how people who were once sinners have become new in him. That as you look on this, gaze on your life and say, God, this is what you've done in me. This is what you've done in my life. You've changed me from a person who used to live in a passion of sin. Ephesians chapter, chapter 3 talks about how we used to be objects of wrath, literally people destined for destruction. But his grace, his grace, his grace, his grace. A few weeks ago we had an example of his grace. In chapter 1 of Ephesians talks about how he lavished upon us his grace. And grace is what God gives us when we don't deserve. 
Like, I know I don't deserve heaven. And if you're honest with yourself and check your heart, you know you don't deserve this gift that God has given us. But this is a scandal. This is a scandal. Like, where is a story you can find, even a fairy tale, where God or even a good person would lay their life down for the rebel? It doesn't exist. And yet this God has loved us enough to pour himself out on us, to lavish us with grace. It's a scandal. And this grace is not just pardon from sin. It's not just pardon from sin, meaning, hey, you know what? You don't have to, to be separated from me forever. No, this is power to live a godly life. Grace is not just pardon from sin, but it is itself power. It is strength for you to say no to unrighteousness, to say no to sin, to say no to those things that used to keep you and hold you down and weigh you down. Now you are free to live for God. Now we're free to live for God. Now, how many of you guys have Instagram? By show of hands. How many of you guys have Facebook? Wow, that's a different kind of a group right now, right? Right? How many of you guys have TikTok? Right? All right. Awesome. Awesome. If you're honest with yourself, do you share things that you hate on TikTok? Do you? No, do you? Like, you're like, I hate that. I'm, I'm going to send it to my friend. Like, who does that? Like, you know what? That puppy, I hate that puppy so much, I'm going to send it to my grandma. Like, who does that? No one does that. What we do with things we love, what we do with things we value is that we share them with everyone. We share this good news. What you have is indeed good news. See, John the Baptist, the Bible says, the greatest man ever born of a woman comes on the scene. There's been silence for 400 years. And he comes out and he says, hey, guys, guess what? Repent for the kingdom of God is here. The gospel begins with repentance. And he says, turn away from your sin and trust God. This God is bringing a kingdom. It's new. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And if you've read the book of Revelation, we see that he comes to give us a kingdom where all things are made new and fulfilled in him. Again, Christ is the center of this gospel. Now, the same way that you would not send something that you do not like, you would actually send something that you love, that you enjoy. You say, dude, look at this puppy. I don't know if I'm talking about puppies specifically. But you share it with people. And what greater gift, what greater mercy, what greater gift, what greater love, what greater cherished thing can we share except that God has made us new in him. That now you are no longer enemies of God, but you are now God's friends. This is great news. This is good news. And so I would encourage you, the same way we'd share those things on your TikTok, on your Facebook, on your Instagram. Share Christ. Post Christ. Share it with the people around you. One of those acts is going to be done here, right here. And we have seven people. I'm going to ask them to actually stand up because we're going to celebrate what they've been doing. These seven people. These seven people, these seven people who, have st who are standing up right now have made a public declaration to say, hey, you know what? I, I, I was dead to sin. I used to be a rebel. I used to be a sinner. But now I am new in Christ. I am born again. I want the world to know what he has done in my life. 
The Bible says that we love because he first loved us. We are literally compelled by love to love others. And they're doing that first by making a public declaration right here, right in front of them. And we get to celebrate them and rejoice with them. And so I ask them to go back to get changed. And as they do so, as they do so, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up real quick. This might be your first time hearing this story of a God who gave himself for us to have life in him. And if, if you're one of those people this evening, you have an opportunity to make a decision, a public declaration right now. See, the Bible says that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he rules all in all, that we will be saved. Saved from what? That separation. That I was talking about, that I was afraid of, that I was afraid of at 9 or 10 or 11. That you don't have to be separated from him, but you are now joined with him. You're joined with this whole big family. Look at the people around you. Right? There's people ranging from five? Five, okay. From five, maybe two. I don't know how old the oldest person. I'm not gonna even try, right? But this family is a huge family of people. A mixed bag of people who are vagabonds changed by the gospel. People who can now say that they have friendship with God. People who can now say that they have eternity with God. They no longer have to live in fear of what's going to happen tomorrow. But they can live in boldness knowing that they have trusted God. And this God has saved them. Snatched them from hell. Snatched them from the devil's hands. Snatched them from their own worldly desires. And now they have a family they can count on for encouragement. They have a God they can look forward to, to worship for in glory. Like God is what we're looking forward to in heaven. In heaven, he's the center of the city. He's the light of the city. He's what we're looking forward to. And so I would invite you right now to stand up. If you've never given your life to Jesus, this is not a mystical thing that happens because there happens to be keys playing and we're playing our emotions. That's not happening here. I don't think I gave you anything that was funny or even appeasing the last, what, 15, 20 minutes. If anything, you might have dozed off a bit. All I told you was that you were a bad person. I've told you that you need redemption, that God himself has made it a way for you to have life and life abundantly and that it's not going to happen because I said so or because I'm a good person or because you're a good person. It's because God is good and he is love. And because of his love, he wants to lavish, he wants to pour upon you newness. This is great news. The appeasing thing of the gospel is not just forgiveness of sins, the fact that he himself wants to give you himself. See, the greatest gift that God could ever give us was Jesus. Like himself. Like if God is infinitely powerful, what gift can he give you? What greater gift can he give you except himself? And that's the greatest gift. He gave you himself. He left nothing. Nothing was left out. And he gives you himself. And so I ask you right now, how do you respond to a God who owns everything? You respond with worship. How do you respond to a God 
who needs nothing and yet gives himself to us. You respond with worship. You respond with what the Bible calls repentance. You say, God, I need you. I lean on you. And if that's the cry of your heart tonight, this is your first time hearing this, I invite you with every eye opened, not closed. Because this repentance thing is a thing that happens 24-7 your day-to-day life. If this is your first time and you want to make a choice to live for Jesus today, I would ask you to put your hand boldly up in this room. It's your first time hearing the gospel. trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would ask you the next few minutes to actually focus your hearts on rejoicing in what God has done in the lives of these people who are going to get baptized. Because what's happening right now, they're having a lot of feelings. Some of them are saying, gosh, my grandma's here. This is embarrassing. Like, these are real thoughts going through their minds. Others are like, dude, like, this is real. Like, this is real. Some of these people... One of these young ladies was at a worship night somewhere else and the power of the gospel hit her heart and she realized that she was in need of a savior. She gave her life to the Lord. I got a phone call on the way back from Joshua Tree saying, hey, this girl gave her life to Jesus. She wants to get baptized. What's happening here with people who are about to get baptized today is nothing short of a miracle. It's nothing short of a miracle. We get to rejoice in that and focus on that. Allow me to pray and let's sing songs that focus our hearts on God who saves. Lord, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for the fact that apart from you, we can do nothing. And Lord, we in this moment just acknowledge our need for you, our need for a Savior, our need for a God who is alive, who is living and active. Lord, I ask that This evening, this evening you begin to remind us of what you've done for us. That you've made us new in you, of the life you've given us in you, the freedom we have in you, of the gift of you. And Lord, help humble our hearts towards that. And as that person comes up, Lord, to be baptized, Lord God, to celebrate, Lord God, what you've done in their life. Help us rejoice in your glory, Lord. Help us enjoy what you see. Your word says that in the presence of the angels there's rejoicing when even one sinner repents. Lord, we thank you that we get to rejoice with heaven this evening as we see what you have done in our lives. Yes, we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this, don't forget to subscribe and also check out past episodes. For more content from Calvary HSM or to connect with us, Visit us on Instagram at CalvaryHSM805. Go live and love like Jesus.